Keywords in Play. You're listening to Keywords in Play, an interview series about game research supported by Critical Distance and the Digital Games Research Association. As a joint venture, Keywords in Play expands Critical Distance's commitment to innovative writing and research about games, while using a conversational style to bring new and diverse scholarship to a wider audience. Welcome to Keywords in Play. Dejan, can I ask you to introduce yourself and your research in your own words? Yeah, uh, of course. I'm Dr. Ge Jun Huang, currently an assistant professor in the Department of Media and Communication at Xi'an Jiao Tong Liverpool University. This is a Sino-UK joint venture located in Suzhou, China. And I obtained my doctoral degree in media studies from the University of Texas at Austin, so training in a multidisciplinary environment, my research builds on the intersection of media industry studies, entrepreneurship studies, and the media sociology. One major strand of my work focuses on the Chinese digital gaming industry and its entrepreneurial activities. I am particularly interested in how gaming entrepreneurs in China build and grow their ventures with regard to the overarching dynamics of the industry as well as the, the country. Another major strand focuses on the phenomena of digital inequalities across different social contexts. Right now, I'm, work, I'm, I'm really looking into the unequal distribution of digital privacy literacy among Chinese netizens. While these two strands may seem disconnected on surface, I believe they are inherently linked in the game industry context because gamers, this, gamers digital trades, like your game account info, are shared and transacted by game companies whereas most gamers are not even aware of them. So in those cases, the, asym uh, sorry, the asymmetric power relation between corporate actors and gamers on game data privacy is worth, definitely worth further examinations from digital inequality perspective. Kejun, you've done a fair bit of work in the area, I guess, of like game production studies in China and specifically in Shanghai. I'd like to discuss your 2021 paper, Social Capital and Venture Creation, Identifying Entrepreneurial Opportunities in the Chinese Digital Game Industry. Can you introduce the paper and, and how it came about? Yeah, of course. I'd love to. Um, this paper is part of my doctoral dissertation that, explore, that explores the fast-growing scenario of gaming entrepreneurship in Shanghai particularly before the pandemic. So it's a pre-pandemic research. In this article, I focus on how, how entrepreneurs in the Chinese digital game industry initiate their venture creation by investigating the relationship between their social capital and the key aspects of identifying entrepreneur opportunities in the pre-market entry stage. So there are two aspects I'm really interested in their opportunity recognition and opportunity evaluation. Drawing on semi-structured interview with a total of 33 gaming entrepreneurs in Shanghai, I found that their social capital played a minor role in their recognition of opportunities. These entrepreneurs adopt varied approaches 
to accessing and mobilizing their social capital based on their situated industry sectors. Those who focus on commercial games or related services would prioritize specific members of professional networks they already have. However, those on indie and fledgling gaming,、uh, gaming products or related services would rely more on diverse industry contacts. This kind of difference in networking practice is subject to the industry overall performance and the country's, or I say, I mean the state's policy intervention. I have two major drivers behind this paper.、Uh, first, I have been passionate about studying games since the early days in the graduate school, and I'm always wondering about stories on the production end, like how Metal Gear Solid. Zelda, Diablo, and other worldwide famous game franchises are brainstormed at the ideation stage, and how and how the ideas are enacted visually through streamlined production procedures. Although I never worked in the gaming industries, learning what has happened beyond the consumer's understanding always makes me appreciate the games more. For the production efforts that undergird such amazing gaming experience, also ideally speaking, I could build some personal relationships with game game industry professionals. As a gamer who would reject the opportunities to meet people behind your favorite games titles, right? Second, I think、uh, examining gaming entrepreneurs can fill a critical gap in research on the Chinese gaming industry. Uh, previous work in this field, by and large, either unpacks the top-down influences of the Chinese government's culture policy, or the domestic tycoon's business operations, like Tencent's global investment with respect to their globalization of the Chinese internet in general. However, other industry actors have been largely overlooked in scholarly discourses. If you look inside the Chinese digital game industry, you will not be su- surprised to find that numerous small to medium-sized companies, usually founded by those gaming entrepreneurs, are de facto the invisible majority of the industry, and contributing extensively to the production of Chinese games consumed within and without China. It would be impossible for researchers like us to draw a holistic picture of the Chinese game industry. Without studying gaming entrepreneurs and their business, this is fascinating. In this paper, and more broadly, you you problematize the anglophone notion of indie game developers, and you kind of contextualize them as game entrepreneurs, which is similar but different, as I understand it. As a native Chinese speaker and researcher, but a fluent English speaker educated in the U.S., are you able to unpack this idea for us a little bit more? Perhaps set out your own definitions of indie developer within a Chinese context. Yeah, of course.、Uh, well, this is a tricky question. I, I'm really glad to ask this. But to be honest, defining indie developers or you know the The, the relationship between indie developers and gaming entrepreneurs in the Chinese context is really a daunting task.、Uh, let me first explain how I approach indie in my article.、Um, during my fieldwork, I found a growing number of gaming ventures label themselves as indie because of their self-identified financial and creative independences. 
um, these kind of like independences, also including their products, are very similar to those trendy indie games in the West. However, the Western conceptualizations of indie may serve poorly to describe the indie gaming scene in China, which has its unique historical and geographical specificities in terms of categorizing the Chinese digital game industry. After all, the concept of indie hasn't drawn an agreed-upon definition or a definitive scope of included titles and genres in the Chinese context. Therefore, I resorted to the interview self-identification and to whether their products or services were labeled as indie by the related game media coverage or even the gamer community reviews. In this regard, I need to explain a couple things so that our audiences may have a clear understanding of the industry established production culture versus indie game development in China. As you may well know, most Chinese games, especially mobile titles, are extensively built upon freemium business models that is coupled with repetitive gameplay experience. Such games, unfortunately, account for the mainstream consumer choice in the domestic market and have served as a benchmark, actually, for game development and publishing in the industry. Therefore, the ways in which games are made in China is predominantly monetization-driven. This is particularly salient in the commercial game sector, either in big companies like Tencent or NetEase, or small gaming ventures that have been discussed in my article. You will often find producers, designers, and programmers prioritize monetary return over gameplay value across all stages of game production. To a large degree, the prevailing production culture of the Chinese gaming industry is highly associated with the profit-centered ethos of the broader Chinese internet industries, that everyone in the internet industry would put money above everything else. What's more worrisome is that a great many domestic gamers are so accustomed to those commercial games and take some as the gold standard of what games are supposed to be. In other words, most Chinese gamers are faced with rather limited and homogeneous option in the mass market, resulting in a low level of the digital game literacy among themselves. On the other hand, any game development in China has manifested a different approach to game production, perceivably many indie game developers intend to set themselves apart from the commercial mainstream of the Chinese digital game industry. They are so sick of the profit-centered ethos and want to make real games in which both gamers and themselves can obtain a tremendous amount of joy and satisfaction from playing. Just like the good old experience of playing Nintendo 64 Zelda and the PlayStation 1 Resident Evil 2, to a certain degree, they are very similar to Western indie game developers in terms of making games fun to play. These developers are also nurtured by many community actors like the Chinese Indie Game Alliance to further grow and enact their creative autonomy in encouraging ways. All these indie-related activities are indicative of the industry turn to normalcy namely just treating games more like a cultural product or an artistic expression instead of an internet product for profit. That said, 
several domestic major players like Tencent have appropriated the term indie as a commercial gimmick to promote their games toward indie gamer base or gamers longing for something different in the domestic market. These games seem to have an indie touch on the surface, such as employing retro aesthetics. But these games are inherently commercial and still laden with monetization mechanisms. Therefore, the demarcation around indie in the game industry is very fuzzy right now, and getting more and more powerless to commercial infringement. So, after all, returning to your question, I would define indie game developers in China as a loosely bound group of game industry professionals who would align their game production with their own understanding of indie. That is adapted into their situated industry sectors. This understanding may vary between being highly identical to the Western concept of indie and being purely rhetorical for commercial interests. That is very interesting. So there's a lot of crossover essentially, but also a lot of difference. Can you tell us about the methodology of this paper and and how this shaped the process of your research? Um, yeah, in this article, I use semi-structured interview to obtain qualitative data for my analysis. I only focus on the founders of gaming ventures established in Shanghai since 2011, and was limited to those specialized in game development, publishing, or the related services across various gaming platforms like console, PC, and mobile. Setting 2011 as a cutoff year accords with China's nationwide policy initiatives targeting domestic culture and creative industry. Combined with the diffusion of mobile devices and the mobile internet, there has emerged a business-friendly environment for gaming entrepreneurship in China. In terms of location, Shanghai has a long-established reputation for high-tech and media entrepreneurship, bolstered and reinforced by global financial capital. Domestic policy incentives and a robust talent pool. Eventually, I managed to get a total of thirty-three entrepreneurs,、uh, and、uh, the interviews were conducted in 2018. The interviewees were predominantly male in their twenties and thirties with bachelor or associate degrees. This demographic pattern conforms to the population of high-tech and media entrepreneurs in Shanghai. For business attributes, all the interviewees' ventures have surpassed the pre-market entry stage, as having at least one game product or service available in either the domestic or foreign game market. Commercial game development and indie game development are among the most prevalent product and service categories, followed by VR and AR game development. The recruitment process was quite interesting. I was trained through multiple projects during my graduate school years to conduct interviews with entrepreneurs in the U.S. To find a good interview, I typically looked for related news coverage online and then sought contact info through an online database like Crunchbase. Later, I would send interview invites by email or info through. Oh, sorry, I would send interview invites by email or LinkedIn chat. While this recruitment strategy was quite effective in the U.S., it was almost unviable in China because most Chinese gaming entrepreneurs choose to not disclose their contact info online, and many even hid their ventures location. 
I had to participate in many industry social events so that I could talk to some entrepreneurs and add their WeChat accounts for a possible follow-up. Also, I paid a visit to over 20 creative industry parks in Shanghai and delivered a written interview invite to the reception desk of gaming managers in those parks. The response rate was about one-third. I would say it's not too bad, actually. But and many interviewees admit that they would talk to me because no media outlet would be interested in hearing them out. What were some of the key findings of the paper? Can you outline for us some of what your research and what the paper reveals? So I found that by accessing and mobilizing social capital, gaming entrepreneurs were capable of securing opportunity identification because of deliberate social interactions in the industry. However, they revealed contrasting reflections between recognizing and evaluating opportunities about social capital in the pre-market entry stage of venture creation. So first, social capital access and mobilization were not linked with gaming entrepreneurs' opportunity recognition. A noticeable de-emphasis of social capital among gaming entrepreneurs suggests that they may employ alternative interpretations of how their business concepts are formed in relation to professional networks. Commercial, in specific, commercial gaming entrepreneurs' extensive industry experience bring them in-depth knowledge of the industry environment, and therefore they can readily identify and translate new changes into venture creation opportunities. By contrast, indie and fledgling gaming entrepreneurs might have less human capital to leverage for locating opportunities in the first place. Instead, they use a heuristic-based logic to pass new industry changes and apply the implication of these changes to forming new business concepts. Second, gaming entrepreneurs reviewed heterogeneous accounts of accessing and mobilizing social capital for opportunity valuation. Commercial gaming entrepreneurs would affect their pre-existing connections with significant industry peers into assessing their initial formation of business concepts. Conversely, indie and fledgling gaming entrepreneurs rely on extended professional relations to conduct opportunity evaluation. Although lacking similar professional networks compared with the commercial counterpart, these indie and fledgling entrepreneurs rely on relatively diverse professional networks to be better informed about what to do, where to go, and whom to talk with for validating recognized opportunities. Third, gaming entrepreneurs' social capital access and mobilization were closely tied to the respective environment of industry sectors they were evolving. To commercial gaming entrepreneurs, their gaming ventures must wrestle with the major companies' uh, oligopolistic grip on domestic industry. They would prefer utilizing connections with these organizations to obtain important knowledge and information which should help dispel the risks attached to their opportunity identification. At the same time, these entrepreneurs were vulnerable to information flows that bear little significance to their venture creation. On the other hand, to indie and fledgling gaming entrepreneurs, their gaming ventures were situated in a less competitive industry environment. Thanks to minimally censored access to Steam, the developing indie community has been able to achieve overseas market presence 
and evade head-to-head competition with the gaming behemoths in the domestic market. And despite the narrow markets they operate in, most of fledgling gaming entrepreneurs barely confront mainstream game companies, and there is no mainstream in their situated niches, such as the case of VR gaming. Therefore, uh, despite the small market sectors to target, indie and fledgling gaming entrepreneurs conceive of new business concepts in response to innovative game products and services ideas driven by the widening spectrum of gaming platforms, genres, and market niches. This is very interesting. I'm curious to know, are you continuing along this trajectory of research into gaming companies in Shanghai? Yes. So right now I'm looking to how, uh, and I'm actually conducting a new project examining the globalization of Chinese gaming industry, but more from a, an entrepreneurial perspective. Because if you take a look at the history of the Chinese gaming industry, um, many people would assume that the major stakeholders like the state, like the domestic giants, would be the sole contributors to the industry's development. But I hold a different opinion that these small to medium-sized enterprises, or as say the population of gaming entrepreneurs, they are the they are also the major drivers of these industries' creative pipeline, right? I mean, they either working with the global gaming corporations or the local game companies to contribute a lot of their creative skill sets to not just the AAA or the famous mobile gaming titles but a lot of indie or casual gamings that haven't been well perceived by the domestic and the international audience. So my next project will be looking into their efforts over the past 20 years to see how these gaming ventures, these gaming entrepreneurs have contributed to the globalization process of the Chinese gaming industry and what are their very unique or uh, distinctive characteristics that set them apart from these major stakeholders. That is fascinating. Thank you so much, Gaijin. China boasts such a large, complex, and unique gaming ecology, and the light that you shed on it is so important. Whereabouts can listeners find out more about your research? Yeah, uh, you can find more about my research on my university page uh, or on my Google Scholar page or even on my personal website. I can share with you later. Uh, You can also reach out to me by email, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Uh, I'm open to any collaboration opportunities with advanced scholarly discussions on the Chinese digital gaming industry and the global gaming industries in general. Again, thanks for having me, Hugh. Um, It was my great pleasure talking to you and to your audiences. Thank you so much, Gaijin. Much appreciated.